Pastor Matt, um, he texted me earlier this week and he says, I'm as close to Canada as I ever want to be. He's in, uh, he was up in northern Ohio. He is preaching and teaching at a young adults retreat and uh, is, wanted me to tell you that he misses you greatly and, um, and that he, being away, makes him realize how much he loves you and how much he's eager to get back and be with you again. Um, we're going to be in Psalm 100 today, so if you want to turn there, it's almost smack in the middle of your Bible. <clears throat> we're rapidly approaching November, if you can believe that. I, I can't believe that. It's November 2019. feels like just yesterday we were doing Christmas, and now we're getting ready to hang the de- Christmas decorations and all that good stuff again. But before we get to that point... Um, it is November, and because of the nature of our cultural calendar, we will start to hear the word thankfulness. Thankfulness. Social media will be flooded with pictures of things people are thankful for. Sometimes people like to do those um, cliche little things where they pick one thing a day and they're thankful for it and they put it out there. Um, we will take off work to express our thankfulness by eating more turkey in one setting than any responsible adult should eat in a week, Right? Um, I still have, I, I, I showered like twice since yesterday, and I, was, I smoked a bunch of turkey breasts so that we can partake in those later on uh, and froze the meat. So I'm, I'm standing up here kind of getting hungry because of my hands right now. I still smell it on myself. So that's coming. Uh, we, some people watch football. Some people go Black Friday shopping. Or, uh, or if you're like my wife's family... They like to cram too many people into way too small of a house and forget to adjust the thermostat. That's their, that's their Thanksgiving. That's how they define thankfulness uh, with that family. There's a lot of them, too. Your picture of November thankfulness is no doubt unique to you, but I want to caution you this morning that you could very well be thankful in all these ways all over the place throughout this coming season and not actually know the joy of biblical thankfulness. And so we go to the scriptures today to try to help us in this and help us be thankful in a way that is biblical and God-honoring. And it just so happens that Psalm 100, if you look at the subheading, it says, His steadfast love endures forever. And then the subheading says, A psalm for giving what? Thanks. It's a psalm for giving thanks. So it's instructions to us on giving thanks. Let me just read that short five verses. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. This is a psalm for giving thanks. And out of this psalm, we're gonna, I'm going to make two statements because it's kind of broken up um, into two stanzas, really. It, it has Christians express thankfulness by this because of this, and then Christians express thankfulness by this because of this. So that's the two statements. I'll give you those in a second. And then we're going to ask a question. Um, so the, the first statement is, Christians express thankfulness by singing because they know their God. That's the first statement. The second statement is, Christians express thankfulness by living in God's presence together because God is unchanging and will fulfill his promises. And then the question we're going to ask 
is how do we stir ourselves up to feel gratitude or feel thankfulness, right? So let's go, let's jump right in here and let's just go right into the first statement and we'll divide that sentence in half and we'll start by saying Christians express thankfulness by singing. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. This is something that unfortunately has been somewhat lost on our American culture. Maybe it just has to do with the pace of life that we set. Um, but I think we are the poorer because we are not known as a singing people, right? Americans, we, we, we're kind of self-conscious about that. When, when we gather together, singing isn't evidently the, the main thing we do. Now, some people are, but as a culture, as a whole, we've kind of lost the art of singing. You could translate the phrase, make a joyful noise to the Lord. You could say, it also says in Hebrew, shout to the Lord, okay? Make a, make a battle cry to the Lord. Make a noise to God that glorifies him. Serve means to participate in a, in a worship service of sort, to take part in what's going on. It harkens back to the language where you read in 1 Samuel where it says the boy Samuel ministered or served before the Lord. It, it means participation in worship. Come into his presence with singing. Come into his presence with singing. Now, it says make a joyful noise to the Lord. A little bit more on that in a, in a bit, but it also doesn't say you have to be a profession. You need to be a professional musician. It says make a joyful noise to the Lord, make a battle cry to God. I have worked, worshipped in a lot of churches, and this much is true: the more the truth of the gospel rings in the hearts of the people, the louder and prouder they will sing. Let me say that again: the more the truth of the gospel rings in the hearts of the people, the louder and prouder they will sing. The clearer God is to them, the heartier their songs will be about him. I have had the distinct privilege of a front row seat to watching you become a congregation that sings and sings well. If you're new with us, you wouldn't know this, but in the last 10 years, God has brought revival in this church through the recovery of his word as primary and without error. We brought, he, God, brought us under conviction that we must elevate the gospel as the centerpiece and Jesus himself as the centerpiece above numbers or budgets or programs or anything else that the modern culture says is important. And we began, like in the days of Ezra, when he got out the book of the law and read it to the people verse by verse. We began preaching through passages of scripture verse by verse. And we have changed our governing documents to reflect that above all else we value the word of God. We lift high the word of God. We study it, we love it, we allow it to guide us in all that we do and all that we say. People have been saved, people have been delivered from crippling sin, and brothers and sisters are growing up in ways that are honoring to Jesus. And you know what I have noticed that is drastically different now than before when all this began? You sing. You sing. You sang, I, 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 tell, I, I told the Lord this morning, I said, this is a point in my sermon, they better sing, God, you better, you better prompt some hearts to get it this morning because this is a point, and you did, you did not disappoint, and you do not disappoint. You sing. Brother Matt D'Amico, many of you know Matt, he comes and does our Main Street Revivals, helps us with our music on Main Street Revivals uh, in, in the fall, has paid you and I one of the biggest compliments that the people of God can ever receive. He said this about you the last time he was here. He said, I love coming to Mount Vernon because Mount Vernon Baptist Church sings well. You sing well. 
He's, he's not saying, and I'm not saying, you are a group of classically trained vocalists. Some of you, in an effort to aid this phenomenon of what I'm talking about, have taken on musical endeavors and training. But that's not what I'm talking about. You make a joyful noise to the Lord, and it is beautiful. And I would exhort you now, lest you think you're doing, doing so well we can stop and pat ourselves on our backs, I would exhort you to ever higher levels of making a joyful noise to the Lord each and every Sunday morning. A great attention to detail goes into selecting the music that we sing. Not long ago, I recorded a podcast episode with Matt D'Amico on that, on that topic, and I refreshed it in our Facebook feed this morning. You may want to give that a listen on our Facebook page. Um, I'll be publishing very soon a list of all the songs we sing together as a people of God at Mount Vernon Baptist Church. Miss Kim, uh, our, our very gifted pianist, and my wife are proofreading it and making sure that I haven't missed anything, and so that will be coming out soon. And I want you to take that list when you get it and tuck it in your Bible, okay, so that you know the, the songs that we sing together. Get a hymnal. Another thing you can do, get a hymnal for your home. My favorite one is called Hymns of Grace. It's about $20. If enough of you guys say, I want a hymnal, if you write that on your tear-off, we can put an order together. Maybe we can get them a little bit cheaper for your home. Okay? Hymnal. Get a hymnal to keep in your house. Sing and listen to good music. Sing and listen to good music. The Corner Room, Shane and Shane, Kenwood Music, Sovereign Grace, Keith and Kristen Getty. These are a few names that I like, and, and, you sh- and I'm always looking for new stuff, and, and I love that. I love when iron sharpens iron that way. Listen to good music. Sing to good music. Sing. Why? Because Psalm 100 commands you to. Psalm 100 says, sing to the Lord. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Come into his presence with singing. And because Christians express thankfulness by singing because they know their God. Look at the next verse. Know, verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He made us. Christians sing with thankfulness in their hearts because they know their God. It is he who made us. Consider a couple ways that you have been made with me as a human being. I'm kind of, Samuel and my children, are, and I'm, we're part of educational things, and they're getting into like some like science-y stuff now. And I kind of, I I'm a science-y nerd when it comes to, my sister's a doctor. She knows way more than I do, but I like to Google stuff and talk to her about it. But anyway, consider your, your skin for a second your skin, the organ of your skin, it made up of many layers and is nearly waterproof. If it gets damaged, it heals itself, fixes itself. Nerve endings. There's so many nerve endings in it that you can feel something as faint as a gentle breeze blowing by you, and you can feel the pain of a a mosquito bite, something so small that touches your skin. Consider your inside. This, This blew my mind this week. Your heart will pump about 72 times a minute without you even thinking about it, on average. Now you're thinking about it, but you weren't thinking about it before. 72 times a minute, and you don't have to think about it. That's 40 million times a year without a thought. It does enough work. This is crazy. Your heart does enough work every single day to lift your entire body weight straight up a mile into the air every single day without thinking about it. Each day, it pumps blood through 75,000 miles of blood vessels. Every single day. Over the course of a lifetime, that's 450,000 tons. 450,000 tons of blood your heart will pump. 
Psalm 139 calls us fearfully and wonderfully made. And this is not the result of some sort of cosmic explosion. There is absolutely no way. Not only is he our creator, not only do we know him in this way as our creator, but those in Christ say that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This God has made us so wonderfully, also relates to us like a shepherd does to his sheep. He's making sure that we have what we need every single day, not just physically, but spiritually as well. And herein lies the reason for my working hypothesis that there is a direct corollary between a person seeing God and a person singing to God. When one is devoted to knowing the scriptures, when one is devoted to knowing God more clearly, the scripture is where we gain clarity about him. It's where he has made himself clear. And the clearer he becomes, the more that you understand he made you and loves you and cares for you and acts on your behalf, the more your heart will overflow with song. You don't sing well because of the quality of the music that's coming from the front. I've been to many churches that have professional musicians and the people stand there like bumps on a log. A Christian doesn't sing well in what I'm talking about with thankfulness because of the quality of the program that takes place. You sing well because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and your cup runs over. That's what singing is. That's thankfulness. That's biblical thankfulness. Second statement. Christians, so rehash, Christians express thankfulness by singing because they come to know who their God is. Second statement, Christians express thankfulness by living in God's presence together. Well, stop right there. Christians express thankfulness by living in God's presence together. Look at verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. This language is making reference to the layout of the Old Testament temple. Worship was central to the life of the Old Testament people of Israel. Everything centered around the calendar that the Lord had laid out for them in the book of Leviticus, in the law. He laid it out for them so they would remember and worship him through feasting and fasting and festivals. Come and be a part of what the Lord is doing in your midst is what this psalm is saying. Come, enter his gates, come into his presence. That's what they understood where God dwelt. And and their faith was not a, a, a personalized faith. It was a very corporate understanding that we come together. We do this thing together. We remind each other together. Come in to the house of God together and worship with thankfulness in your heart. Come and be a part of what the Lord is doing. Don't forsake the assembly of the believers as they gather out for the purpose of thanking God. But it's much more than just coming to church. It's a lifestyle of corporate worship together. It's a lifestyle of Christian togetherness that's being hearkened here in Psalm 100, verse 4. This is a call to order and structure your life so that gathering with the Lord's people in order to thank the Lord isn't an add-on, but it's the, it's the very center, the fountain of your existence. I just finished up another round of Membership Matters this morning, and we discussed the importance of of being a part of God's people and making assembly together a priority. And I'm not just talking about Sunday once again. I'm talking about funerals. I'm talking about weddings, 
We got to have a wedding recently. That was fun. Talking about after church potlucks and birthday parties and Bible studies and dinner and board game nights. Come together, be together, rejoice together, cry together, get irritated at each other together. Sidebar If you haven't been irritated with anybody in this church in the past calendar year, it's either A, because you are a patient, patient saint. Or it's because you're not around enough. When you put sinners in a place, guess what they do? Sin. And they irritate each other. And that's a part of what God is doing in our togetherness. To follow the Lord Jesus, to call Jesus Lord and follow after him is a direct contradiction to our nature. We're sinful. To call Jesus Lord and follow after him is in direct contradiction to what we want to do. Therefore, it's hard. Therefore, you need help. Submit yourself gladly to living out in this co-op of others that have the exact same end in mind. Together we give thanks to him. Together we bless his name. Together we remind each other of our God. Christians express thankfulness by taking part in a lifestyle of corporate worship because, second part of the statement, because God is unchanging and will fulfill his promises. Look at verse five. For the Lord is good. He is good. And his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. There's that term, steadfast love. The last two Psalms that I've preached, we've had that hased, the Hebrew term of hased, what God is, where he exposed himself more further. He made clearer who he was to Moses in Exodus chapter 34. And he said, I am, a, I am abounding in steadfast love. That's a part of my name. Loving kindness and steadfast love, God said to Moses. This is who I am unchanging, enduring, patient, faithful. In our being together, in our living out our life together, in passing on this ethos to our children and their children, God will never change. He will never move the goalpost. His standards, his love, and his salvation will never waver, never change, never wear out. And we, his people, with thankfulness in our hearts, band together to hold the banner of the Lord high, to teach our children to hold the banner of the Lord high, because God has accomplished salvation, and he is calling all men and women to repentance and belief, and he will return to judge us all. And that is a hard reality. But it's our reality. We have faith in these promises, in these things, and we must hold ourselves together. We must be committed to living before the presence of God together, giving our thankfulness to him together because it's a tough, tough world. Reminds me of the verse in the hymn we sang last Sunday. A mighty fortress is our God. And though this world with devils filled, threatened to undo us, we, should, we will not fear, for God has willed his truth to triumph through us. And the, when the world sneers at us, as it sneered at Jesus, we hold tight together with thank, thankfulness because God is unchanging and he will fulfill his promises. This season of thankfulness can feel trite 
or cliche or inauthentic. I think because thankfulness cannot be faked. I, I, I have to confess, I get kind of nauseated by it sometimes. Like the, the flood of cliche thankfulness. I, I, maybe it's just because I'm cynical and I need to repent, right? But thankfulness can't be faked. It's not something that you can, you can just have in a, in, a, in, a, in a moment. You either feel gratitude, you're either thankful or you're not. Right? It's either something that wells up inside of you or it's not. And so I, I, it's all well and good for me to say, sing and live out this faith, you know, obey this psalm and do these things. But this is difficult because you have to feel those things in order to do those things. It doesn't just, you can't just contrive it, right? So how does it happen? Thankfulness must be cultivated. It has to be worked on and grown. How do we do that? How do we cultivate? How do we find ourselves cultivating thankfulness? How do we stir ourselves up? That's the question. How do we stir ourselves up toward gratitude, toward feeling gratitude towards our God? Three things, and then we'll close. First, put God's accomplishment into perspective. Put what God has accomplished into perspective. Not just his accomplishment of creation of the world, which is just amazing, but also his redemption of it. Compare what the Bible claims God has done with other religions, what they claim their God has done, and nothing measures up. There are, there are many religions that don't even claim their God is creator. No other God, no other religion claims to have become incarnate and redeemed his people by his own blood. Remember how unlikely it was that all this would be accomplished. Creation is stupendous. Creation is amazingly sustained. Even now, we're breathing in and out. The world is rotating on its axis. The planets are doing their thing. I didn't do that. You didn't do that. It just is being sustained. But even more amazingly, that redemption of the fallen creation has been once and finally accomplished. Jesus will never need to die again. And the accomplishment of salvation by the blood of Jesus will never fade. There is indeed power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. There are 4,200 religions, but only one empty tomb. Put his accomplishment into perspective. Think about that. And you know it. What's more is you know it. Like you, you could have been somewhere where you never knew it. Anybody pick where they were born? Anybody pick who got to told to tell in the gospel? Anybody pick that? Yet here you sit. And here you believe. Secondly, feel to cultivate thankfulness feel this morning and ongoingly how deeply you needed the redemption of Jesus to happen. Jim Hamilton is uh, Matt D'Amico's, the preaching pastor at Kenwood. I was listening to a sermon by him, and he put it this way, describing our need for the redeeming blood of Jesus. Imagine a block of sand that is a million miles cubed, so a million miles wide, a million miles tall, a million miles long, a block of sand. 
And once every million years, a bird comes and takes a grain of that sand. Not even after that cube is completely gone would eternally, eternity have barely begun. Not even after the, that's inconceivable, a million years, uncountable grains of sand, bird takes one, comes back a million years later, takes another one, comes back a million years later, takes another one. Eternity will have barely scratched the surface of eternity when that would be done. This, listen to me, this is how long you would have been separated from God by your sin if not for the blood of Jesus. Feel how deeply you needed the blood of Christ this morning. We, we throw the term hell out there like it's nothing. We use it. I don't, I don't. I have it in my. I wanted to say some things here, but I'm not going to say it just because I can't do it. I can't bring myself to say it in an inappropriate way. We use the word hell casually, like it's nothing. Hell is real. It's deep. It's desperate. It's eternal. And we desperately needed Jesus to save us from it. Desperately needed Him to save us from. Eternal separation from God. We are hereby delivered from eternity of physical pain, from psychological distress, from lasting regret, emotional wreckage, the everlasting experience of divine displeasure against us. Jesus saving any undeserving person from that is an accomplishment like no other. Any undeserving person being saved from that is an accomplishment like no other. But here is the third thing you must consider to cultivate thankfulness in your heart. Any undeserving person, that's phenomenal that Jesus would save somebody from that, and he chose to save you. You. He chose to save me. I know, and I know how much of a wretch I am. Pastor Matt recently said in one of his services, imagine yourself before God, and he's playing a video of feedback of your life. How long would it need to play before you would say, okay, enough, turn it off. I'm guilty. That's enough. It wouldn't be long for myself. It wouldn't be long for me. Yet, while you were yet sinners, the scripture says, Christ died for you. He died for you. Feel the wonder of that. Feel the depth that you have been delivered from this morning. When we sing the song, All I Have is Christ, as I ran my hell-bound race, we can gloss right over those words, and it means nothing. You were, you were toast. I was, we were done. We were done. We were guilty. We had nothing to say back to an eternal creator God who was angry about our sin. Nothing could we say back. And Jesus intervened, not just in some nebulous way. He intervened specifically for you. He knew your name for you. And he came and got you and plucked you out of the mess that you had gotten yourself in. Let thankfulness flow down like a mighty river upon our hearts 
this season. May we be thankful this year like we have never been thankful before. Our penalty has been exhausted. Our penalty has been paid in full. The God who created the world has been reconciled to us so that we enjoy his divine pleasure, and not only his pleasure, but his blessing. Feel the relief and the wonder that will cause us to receive the commandments of Psalm 100 and say, yes, Lord, this is how I want to respond to you. I want to respond to you with song and with fellowship with your people and with bringing thankfulness into your house. I want to sing as I more, know more about you. I want, to, I want to raise my children in this blessing so that they would know about salvation and experience salvation by your hand. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God of the Bible has created and loved. He has accomplished redemption, loving those he redeemed. He will reign forever, extending his goodness to us for our enjoyment forever. And it is all accomplished because the Lord Jesus, who was rich, became poor, so that we who are poor through his poverty might become rich beyond our wildest dreams. And what a relief that is to us. What a thankfulness it causes to rise in our hearts if we will allow it to today. And if this thankfulness as a result of the gospel is brand new to you, if you're stirred in your spirit today about the things that I'm talking about, I say to you, praise God and welcome, welcome. I hope that you will come and tell me so we can walk together in your newfound faith. easy to not realize how good he's been to you. It really is. It's really easy to take God for granted. It's really easy to take our salvation for granted. And it's my prayer for you as you head into this month of thankfulness. Be thankful for food and be thankful for family and be thankful for a warm house and be thankful for the little things. Do be thankful for those things. Do be thankful for those things. But more than anything, more than anything, consider the goodness of God to you through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Lord, we praise you. We join with all of your creation and we praise you. We thank you. Let us be a people that are marked by our thankfulness. And let that thankfulness overflow into song, into living out our lives before you. In faith, I'm reminded of the, of the ungrateful servant. The story you told to bring understanding. The servant who was forgiven much and then went away and, and wouldn't forgive. Let us not be like that wicked one, Lord. Let us be a people that reflect on how good you've been to us. 
Let the thankfulness rise in our hearts and then give way to goodness and forgiveness and mercy and thankfulness everywhere that we put our feet. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise Father, praise Son, and praise Holy Ghost. It's his name we pray. Amen. I'd ask you to take a moment just to consider the word of the Lord. In just a moment, we'll have our ushers come up and begin to collect our tithes and offerings. And our, um, our elder chairman, Ron McIntyre, has a special announcement to make at that time. Let's, let's just take a few moments of silence.